Hi, and welcome to the Post-Acute Point of View, our discussion hub for healthcare technology in the out-of-hospital space. Here we talk about the latest news and views on trends and innovation that can impact the way post-acute care providers work. And we take a look at how technology can make a difference in today's changing healthcare landscape in both home-based and facility-based care organizations and the lives of the people they serve. Today, we hear from Naveen Gupta, Senior Vice President of Home and Hospice Division for Matrix Care, and his special guest. Let's dive in. My name is Naveen Gupta. I am the Senior Vice President and Division Head for the Home and Hospice Division here at Matrix Care. Welcome again to another episode of the Post-Acute Point of View. Today, I am joined by Jared Bauer. Jared is the co-founder and CEO of Health Recovery Solutions, and they've just raised about six months ago, a 70 million Series C funding. During the pandemic, they have just seen spectacular growth. I looked at some of the numbers and really well positioned. I know this is a vision for Jared and his team to impact a million patients and reduce over 200,000 admissions in the healthcare system. And if I did the math correctly, that adds up to almost a billion dollars in savings for the health system. So Jared, we are super excited to have you Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And all that growth is great, but I think the biggest thing is we got a lot of happy customers. That's great, Jared. We want to hear all about that. We almost always begin this podcast wanting to get to know our guests better. We love origin stories and certainly we love founder stories. Tell us the genesis of HRS. I have heard bits and pieces and the story of your grandma and the problem that you saw, but would love for our listeners to have an appreciation for it. Of course. Well, first, I have to say this, Naveen, I am so excited to be on this podcast with you. You're one of the people I have the most respect with in our industry. Every time I talk to you, whether it's at a conference or just a phone call, I'm always blown away by how smart you are. I think your whole team may feel the same way. So just want to say that. And also, I would love to tell you the nexus of how we started HRS. 10 years ago, I was at Johns Hopkins. Grandma was readmitted with heart failure. I looked into the main reasons for readmission being non-compliance to medication, diet, lack of caregiver support, health literacy, really just wanted to be on the right side of change. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea I'm always running at. Can you change behavior? That's the key to taking costs out of the system. The real yes. fun thing is I think we're getting closer to that. It's taken us 10 years and really we're not even as close as I wish we were. But I think that's the crux of what I wake up every morning and say, can we make a patient make better decisions? And can we give nurses the tools to be successful in their hands or with how they approach their work on a daily basis? You know, Jared, the story about your grandma, and I love that you saw a problem and you owned it, right? So the number of problems that are out there that don't really get solutions for is really inspiring what you and your team have achieved. And I've seen the stats, the solutions that HRS provides, the readmission rates dropping by significant double digits in sort of different disease states, readmissions being reduced. And even more so now, you know, we're not out of the pandemic quite yet. I do trend the charts to be able to look at the growth in telehealth and remote patient monitoring, staggering growth, staggering rise, and more and more care at home models are beginning to emerge. So certainly you and I have been at many of these conferences lately, this conversations around hospital at home, conversations around 
sniff at home, really diversion, right? Keeping people in the home, in the community. How do you see the types of remote monitoring tools expanding and evolving to fit some of these models? Right, and you said something really important there. You said solve a problem. And whenever I'm talking to young entrepreneurs or people who have an idea, the goal always just has to be solve a problem. And really it was 2011, it was the Affordable Care Act. Hospitals will be fined 1% of their entire Medicare billing for readmission. And that's what we set up, solve readmissions as well. And then last year, during the height of COVID, there's a lot about almost stopping admissions too. People couldn't get into the hospital, so people were relying on telehealth for average business use. The really exciting thing of our 250 health systems that use HRS, we have 20 clients that have great hospital-at-home programs. And that's exciting because you look at the evolution and the most important thing is you always have to listen to your client. Like you can sit, wake up and say that every day. But yeah. to go from the readmission piece to how do you allow these admissions can't happen and you got to allow just normal business procedures through telehealth to now being the full conduit to that hospital at home program. And I think just the exciting thing is nobody thought that we would have a hospital at home. I always thought the walls of the hospital would be broken. Yes. I didn't think, hey, this hospital to home program, and just even what you said was just so impactful. How does it work, right? Who's doing it? Is it the sniff at home? Is it through a medical center? Is it through a home care agency? It's just so exciting right now. And I think the big thing that I would like to tell all the leaders that are trying to figure it out is you have pockets. You have pockets of this working out really well. And it's going to work out a lot better in the future, but it is really connecting to as many people as possible to understand what they're doing. And it's just exciting how the channels of information are going back and forth behind all these great leaders right now. You're right, Jared. You know, there absolutely has been an acceleration that's happened. When you look at solutions that HRS offers, you're certainly monitoring high-risk patients through remote patient monitoring tools. You are enabling communication and even just adherence to medications, being able to manage wider populations. And, and I know you do several things around automated calling, et cetera, to increase patient engagement. And so I'd love for you, Jared, as your solutions have evolved, as you've started solving some of these problems, there is this intersection between remote patient monitoring and patient engagement. Maybe you can share with us a little bit of a vision of how you see this. And it doesn't have to be HRS specific. How do you see these two sort of cornerstones of delivery beginning to evolve and emerge? Well, I'm happy I prefaced how smart you are, Naveen, when we started this call. Um, (laughs) Because truly, when you look at the greatest thinkers of all time and the greatest doers of all time, you look at Albert Einstein, you look at Leonardo da Vinci, you look at Steve Jobs, It was always about bringing two things together. And I think that's where your mind's going on that. And I see it, one, what we first started about that patient engagement piece, going with remote monitoring. I think those are the two things that we're trying to bring together. And we're we're trying to be that conduit to say, can you provide those needed biometric monitoring as well as can you give patients the tools to be successful to change their behavior? So I do think that intersection is where we try to make our sweet spot. 
Yeah. And, you know, even within our larger family, ResMed, with sleep-related disorders, the adherence to using some of the CPAP machines, enabling the patient engagement has been Mm -hmm. hugely, hugely successful. So you're right. It's really bringing in some of the elements that are there to really create a complete solution that drives the right behaviors that ultimately drives better outcomes. And so it's great that just seeing some of those pieces come together for you, for your organization, and for all of the health systems where this is deployed. Funny enough, suddenly there is more and more interest on telehealth visits and this whole idea on reimbursement and claims. And I know the public health emergency created certain exceptions and there's conversations about making things permanent. What is your prediction in, from a CMS point of view, how this is going to evolve and are you engaged in it? Certainly you're involved in a large number of health systems and influence a great section of population. How do you see that from a reimbursement perspective and evolution of this? And even to your point, that first question of, okay, where do you see things going? Yeah. And as things are going more to that hospital to home program, wearables are becoming more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do everything in ER could be done in the home. So I see HRS kind of moving that way. Then the other part is I also see that workforce issue. There's just a huge nursing shortage right now. And one thing that we're always trying to do, all of our 250 team members, is always say, okay, one telehealth nurse can manage this many patients. Sure. Okay, how can it improve? Or how does that number improve? So that's another bucket that we're always working on. And then things that we're even doing with matrix care, like the part and whenever we connect, it's always about that differentiating workflows to say like, how do you make it so easy for a nurse to operate at the top of her license? So it's like, that's just such an amazing bucket. So that bucket is just so exciting. And then the third bucket, which you just mentioned is the reimbursement piece. Mm -hmm. And when people say reimbursement, really the bigger problem you're solving is ROI. And I think the really cool thing is one of the reasons why, you know, you look at all these companies that haven't been successful or kind of fan out over time. Reason why Matrix Care HRS can be around for as long as we've been around for is can you deliver that hard ROI? Mm -hmm. And we're lucky that there are billing codes around it and we're lucky Medicare is being more proactive on it. But the truth to a great ROI is a great leader a great leader to say, this is the way it's going to be. And we're going to be investing in telehealth because this is the standard of care that we want to give. Because if we're not doing it, what does that mean? We're just calling people and just showing up. Like we have to be a data-driven organization. So I think the big part is ROI. How are you driving an ROI? And then how do you sign up? How do you say day one, this is how we're going to be successful. We're going to bring out the units here. We're going to be making sure skilled nursing visits get cut down. We're going to be making sure you're using virtual visits. We're going to be making sure that we're taking action on the highest risk patients. No matter what, the codes, it's all a nominal compared to that. And that, when you look at the five stars and you look at what payers are doing, that is the crux and why this industry is going to be super successful. Yeah. You know, Jared, I think you said it well. I think the ROI, yes, absolutely. And it's not difficult to connect the dots, right? Funny enough, my family had some health issues not too long ago, and we used virtual visits. And it was easy, it was convenient to be able to have access and provide some monitoring that's there. 
it's certainly heading in that direction. And I'm personally encouraged by what we see, the way CMS is thinking about this and thinking about the reimbursements. But you shared something also that triggered for me. As we talk about differentiated workflows, the ROI is great, right? I think the economics need to work. But ultimately, we've got to allow technology in one sense to take a backseat. And the star of this are the clinicians and the healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. How do we make it frictionless for them? It's for them, right? Ultimately, if we give them the tools, it's frictionless, it's in the background, but does its job. They are, from a labor perspective, right? They are in this business to deliver care. That's the way they get the most satisfaction. They'll be able to do that. And ultimately, that translates into better health for patients and for clients and for others that are receiving this care. So it's super exciting. It's just the way this is evolving and the pace at which it's evolving is something I don't think we would have imagined even 18 months ago. Right. And we can't ask nurses to do anymore. Yeah. And it just has to be, okay, how is this truly a tool in your toolbox? so that you can do everything you want. And that is through differentiated workflows. That is through saying, okay, this is your checklist. Everything's automated. And you just see that it has to be technology. It has to say, okay, we were here and this is what you're able to do now. So I'm 100% aligned with you on that. So one of the concerns, Jared, that's also emerged as telehealth, remote patient monitoring have all sort of grown and we've seen exponential growth, honestly, the OIG or the Office of the Inspector General, they're conducting significant work assessing the telehealth services during the emergency. And they will provide findings and recommendations that will further inform policymakers and other stakeholders on the telehealth flexibilities and whether they should become permanent or not. From your point of view, how big is this issue with sort of fraud and abuse using some of these remote delivery services and what do you get your point of view on it? Yeah, and I would say more reimbursement for our industry is always good. So we're always advocating for that. And I think Knox done a great job at that. So we're always on that side. Unfortunately, there's always some bad actors. Yep. And the other part of that too is there's also a lot of upstarts or earlier companies too that tout a lot of the billing codes and tout, hey, this is exactly the ROI. That's also a, some of the issues too that a lot of clients could get hit with as well. But I think at the end of the day, it is good that we're always holding people accountable, but mm -hmm. I think it's very small and we're making headways with Medicare and CMS for more reimbursement codes, which is always great. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of it. You know, I want to just go back to one of the key points you made about a leader, right? Leader standing mm -hmm. up and saying, hey, we will do this, right? And I love it that you connected it to labor. Number one issue our industry faces. Talk to us, how do you use telehealth and remote patient monitoring to essentially create a labor multiplier, which means increasing capacity and mitigating some of the staffing risks that are there to a leader who's thinking about this, right? And they have labor challenges. How do you explain it to them to say, look, this is a way for you to really create a, a multiplication of labor? Right. And a lot of it, right before PGGM happened, we were kind of looking at it and our VP of clinical services, Patty Upham, she was actually our third client. She was in charge of First Health. She was in charge of the telehealth program at First Health of Carolinas. She mm -hmm. retired and then she came, she came to the HRS team. Um, and really, she showed us really why, how do you have a great telehealth program? 
and it has to be cutting down skilled nursing visits and then doing them through virtual care to say, you know what, we're at nine skilled nursing, we're going down to five. Mm-hmm. And not just because it's cheaper, but because it's better care and you can do more. You can do more when you have a pulse ox tied to that tablet, when a thermometer can be tied to that, when any of those Bluetooth devices can be doing those readings, you can do stethoscopes, you can check it out right over that tablet. So really is about either cutting skilled nursing visits that virtual care part of it too, and just making sure that those outcomes are there too. So that's just a huge part of that. Yeah. So, you know, what I hear with that is really you're optimizing the visits to drive better outcomes. It's a combination of virtual visits and in-person visits and the disciplines that are needed. And so that's great. And I think more and more organizations should really be looking at this as they attempt to address the the labor challenges. And the numbers and the stats that I've seen in the next five years, we're talking about almost north of 7 million shortage of workers. So we've got to find ways from a technology perspective, how we address this. Jared, this is great. I'd love to maybe just punt the last final question to you around, and I know your goal, you want to impact a million lives here, touch almost 200,000 readmissions, prevent those readmissions. What's next? How do you see this overall evolving? I would say necessity is the mother of innovation. And you don't get asked to solve all these problems all at once. Yeah. You, know, you start with readmissions, then you're, you're just doing whatever you can with admissions to allow normal business to go on with allowing missions. And then now we have hospital at home program, yes. and hospital at home programs that are just taking off and everything's being done in the house that was done in an ER. And I think it's just exciting. And I always go back to that universal truth of what do you know is true if everything else changes? And it's a universal truth that people want to be managed in their own home and they don't want to go Mm -hmm. to a hospital. Mm -hmm. And every home care agency and every hospice agency, the leaders have to be excited about the fact that the opportunity is going to come to them. And you have to be seeing how do you do that? And how do you break the walls yourself? And how are you going into different markets? So as long as we keep executing on that big goal that we set out 10 years ago, yeah. of allowing that wall not to exist, I think we'll be good. But really, it is always up to our clients to tell us what to do. And Naveen, you guys at Matrix Care, how in touch you guys are with your clients. It's, it's your clients' ideas that are really the ones that take off. You know, I, I couldn't agree more, Jared. The thing that we've learned is listen to your colleagues and listen to your customers. <laughs> you know, they will, they right. will tell you what you need to do. Thank you, Jared. Honestly, we celebrate your success and your team's success. And more importantly, we celebrate organizations that are making meaningful impact to healthcare and the cost to deliver it. And really, if you think about the nation will be further burdened by debt if we fail to innovate and solve for classic triple A, talking about improving the experience of care, talking about improving how we manage health populations and reducing per capita costs of healthcare. So thank you, Jared. We really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you. And this was exciting and just excited for all your successes to come as well. That concludes the latest episode of the Post-Acute Point of View from Matrix Care. We have a lot of guests and topics coming up that you won't want to miss. So be sure to subscribe. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, leave us a review. To learn more about Matrix Care and our solutions and services, visit matrixcare.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. 
Thank you for listening. Be well, and we'll see you next time.